Welcome to Good Returns TV. I'm Susan Edmonds. I'm standing in for Philip McAllister today. I have with me Alexei Mironenko, who's Chief Distribution Officer of Premier Partners. Welcome. Thank you, Susan. You have a focus on Asia, is that right? That's right, yep. Can you tell me a bit more about why you look at that? Sure. Region? So we're, we're based in Hong Kong, and we, we set up Premier three years ago because we thought that the asset management industry wasn't doing enough to focus on the growth markets of the world. So there's plenty of choices for US, Europe, New Zealand, Australia investments. But when it comes to China, when it comes to Southeast Asia, India, the growth economies uh, on the planet, there's much less choice, um, much more expensive choices for, uh, for fund management. But arguably, that's where you want to be putting your money over the long term. If you're trying to save for the next 20, 30 years, mm. you want to invest in places that are growing 5% a year, not 2% a year. But it's much harder to do that. So we left our previous firms, you know, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and we created premium partners in Hong Kong to try to make some products that are low cost and allow easy access to, uh, to these markets. Okay, is that something that New Zealanders don't have a lot of access to at the moment, do you think? To be honest, we're, we're in the early stages of exploring New Zealand, so I'm learning myself, mm. but the sense I have is that the average New Zealander puts money into New Zealand equities and property, mm. Australia equities, yep. and maybe US. Mm -hmm. And if they do anything else, it might be a small allocation to EM broadly. Mm -hmm. but, that, but EM is a very big and complex thing. You know, there's Argentina, which is having default issues. Mm -hmm. There's Eastern Europe with constant threat of war with, uh, with Russia. There's Middle East. Uh, so you get the good and the bad, um, but you can be much more granular. You know, the U.S. is a very well-researched market, so mm -hmm. investors know what they're getting. But there's a very, very big difference between the Taiwanese semiconductor company and a Brazilian oil conglomerate. Um, it's two completely different uh, things and yet investors just go, well, it's EM, it's one bucket, I don't need to worry about it. Mm. We think you need to be much more granular and much more selective, not necessarily through an active fund, but through exposures that are targeted to where the growth is in EM, because that's ultimately the goal. Mm. You don't want to buy slow-growing EM. That's twice the risk and the same return. If you're going to take the extra risk of going in EM, you should be rewarded for it with more growth. Okay, so there's, at the moment you'd see more opportunity for growth there than perhaps the more maxed out markets of the world? Yeah, I mean it's, it's a hard thing to say because over the mm. last 10 years nothing has beaten the US really. Mm. But if you think about where we are today, um, the US is at a forward PE price to equity of 19. Mm -hmm. Asia is at 13. Yeah. It's much cheaper. You're paying less for more growth. Mm. We, we like that equation. That gap, 19 versus 13, that's the biggest in 10 years mm. that we've had. Um, now, the problem is, we've, a lot of people have been saying this for a while, EM's going to outperform, EM's going to outperform, and it hasn't. And there's a structural problem. Mm. EM is full of bloated, state-owned, old economy type of companies. You know, most of us, when we think about EM, we think about low-cost export manufacturers, we think about oil companies. Well, these are the things that are doing worse and worse. Mm. Um, as we transition to sustainable energy, oil companies, which are a lot of EM firms, are doing worse. But if you look at the structural story in EM, um, EM consumers are embracing technology much faster than developed market consumers. Um, China is graying faster than any other country mm. in history. Um, there are these interesting growth stories that are performing incredibly well, but most investors are underinvested in them because they own Facebook, Amazon, Alibaba, mm. um, Tencent. They don't own Chinese pharmaceutical companies. Mm. They don't own the largest tech conglomerates in Korea. 
they might own Samsung, but they don't own the local companies that are serving local uh, consumers. Is that just a lack of knowledge on our part that we don't know the market so well? Um, not just New Zealand. Mm. Uh, even in Asia, we have a lot of clients who don't invest in some of this because if you look at the standard benchmarks, EM is 10% mm. um, of the all-country world index from MSCI. So, you know, it's for a lot of investors, it's more important to get their U.S. allocation right or their home bias New Zealand allocation right than to get really granular in EM. And are you taking an active approach? So we, we kind of sit in the middle of the world. So sometimes okay. people say smart beta or, you know, quantitative investing. Uh, our premise is very simple. We can make an ETF, mm -hmm. so still very low cost relative to active fund management. But instead of simply buying a market cap benchmark for MSCI Asia, for example, mm. we will say, no, we want to own China's tomorrow. So we want to make an index that targets quality growth companies in China's new economy. Okay. We can say we don't want banks, we don't want energy companies, mm. we don't want manual labor manufacturers. We want tech, consumer, healthcare, education, environment industries. We want companies that are low debt, mm -hmm. high profit, high growth. These are all things you can do now in an index. Mm. You get a much better result than, say, buying the standard default market cap benchmark for China, mm. which yes, it'll have a few famous stocks like Alibaba and Baidu and Tencent, but it will also have a lot of old economy state-owned banks. Right. It will have the oil companies. It will have the coal companies. Um, it will have Chinese tobacco companies. Mm. How worried are you about coronavirus and your investments at the moment? Um, uh, I did not fly from Hong Kong yesterday, <laughs> I flew from Japan, um, but um, look, we actually published a piece on this a couple of weeks ago. Every virus outbreak that we've had in the last 20 years, um, if you look at the six-month return mm. um, of whatever market it happened in, it's been positive. Okay. So there is no question that there is a Q1 economic slowdown, and not just in China. It's going to have effect globally. Foxconn, which is Apple's main supplier, restarted one week late after the Chinese holiday, and they are currently at less than 30% capacity. Mm. So even Apple is going to have a problem. Right. But it's a short-term problem. Um, you know, markets don't care about human suffering, unfortunately. Mm. They only care about forward projections. Mm. And the reality is that in situations like this, governments step in, they provide credit lines, they extend deadlines, and there will be pent-up demand. So Foxconn will run right now at 30% capacity, mm -hmm. and in three months they'll be running at 120% capacity. Mm to make up for it. Um, so we expect clearly a Q1 dip in earnings of Chinese companies, if not global companies, and in GDP numbers, without okay. question. Q2 will be less bad, mm. Q3 will probably be, be great. And maybe earlier, maybe later, um, we're not scientists, so that's mm. for someone else to judge, but it's very clear that this virus, while f having a very fast transmission, seems to have a much lower mortality rate. Yeah than some of the past epidemics we've had. Um, and China, rightly, wrongly, has sacrificed the province to save mm. the country and the world. Um, and it seems to be working in terms of a slowdown and limited infections outside okay. of that region. Okay, that makes sense. So how would you see your funds fitting in with the rest of a New Zealand investors' portfolio, say? Excellent question. You know, so if you think about what a portfolio should accomplish, one, it should generate good return, mm -hmm. and two, it should be diversified so that 
um, that return, those returns don't only happen at the same time. So you have some good with bad and vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at US versus New Zealand, which are two standard allocations for New Zealand investor, the correlation is about 0.4. Mm -hmm. Pretty good diversification. What's interesting about Asia x Japan is that the correlation with US is 0.6.7. With New Zealand, it's actually a bit lower, 0.4.5. Okay. But we don't invest in Asia because, again, we're trying to get not just the good and the bad. We're trying to target specific structural growth themes. So our China new economy has a 0.3 correlation with New Zealand and with US. Mm -hmm. So okay. it's very complementary to both those existing allocations. Um, our Southeast Asia uh, exposure, which is something that very few investors globally touch, mm. you know, everybody knows China, India, but they ignore Southeast Asia because each individual country is small, but together, 700 million people, 5% mm. GDP growth. The correlations are even lower, 0.2 versus New Zealand. Okay. Those all mm -hmm. seem like things that make sense, mm. um, even intuitively, without doing further analysis. And that's why we're excited about spending time in New Zealand and talking to investors uh, and explaining what we do. Great. Well, thank you very much for being here. It's yeah, been really pleasure. interesting. Thanks for having me. Thanks.